Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It is so stinking easy. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will not be disappointed. Today, my guest is Michael Janda, author of the book, Burn Your Portfolio and the Psychology of Graphic Design Pricing. Welcome, Michael. Sounds good. So I, in 2002, I founded the creative agency Riser and I started it in Los Angeles. We, uh, I was working at Fox and the dot bomb happened, the tech bubble burst and everybody started doing layoffs and I started freelancing at the time. And so it was kind of a scary time for me because we were young in our lives. It's almost 20 years ago now. And we didn't have a ton of money and I'm looking for jobs and nobody's hiring. And so I was in this panic mode emotionally at the time because our personal overhead was very expensive. We had our house in LA and a big mortgage payment and little kids. That, so I felt this big burden to support my family. And uh, fortunately, I had made some good relationships when I was at Fox and I started freelancing for some of these people that, I, that were my coworkers that were now working at Sony and at ABC Television and at Warner Brothers. And so these were my first initial clients and uh, realized one day that we were, that I was doing almost everything over the phone and email. And I thought, why am I living in Los Angeles where it's so expensive to live? And do we really want to raise our kids in LA? And so we ended up deciding to move to Salt Lake City where my wife had family and uh, it was a good move. We tripled the size of our yard and doubled the size of our house and 50%ed the size of our mortgage payment. For half the cost. So yeah, it was <laughs> half the cost. So so that was a good it was a good change but uh it was a risk because I my contacts and clients were in LA and I thought okay, am I going to be able to do this telecommuting and uh, it was right at the start of when that kind of became a possibility. Yeah, People that's, were that's old. That's the olden days. Yeah, it was two thousand two, yeah. and you know, cell phones were just becoming mainstream. People would just now always have a cell phone, and back then it wasn't that way. In fact, I had just gotten my first cell phone right before we moved. I I didn't even have one before that, so it was kind of that early days of that. Um, Anyway, uh, I was able, fortunately, because internet connections were starting to become faster and faster, I was able to build my business largely based on LA clients and New York clients and San Francisco clients, but do it based on living in Salt Lake City area where the cost of living is a lot less. And so um, that was a, a good it was a good thing and it was good timing in the market to, to be able to do that. And I wish I would have had the foresight to know what was going to happen back then, because I was mostly in panic mode most of the time. It's growing a business, you're, and when you don't know what you're doing and you're just trying to figure it out and you don't have the vision of what it can become, it's a, it can be really scary. Well, it's because you're too busy just keeping it afloat. Yeah, you, you are. You're just it. in the hamster can't, can't wheel. Can't see the front of the boat. 
Totally. You're yeah. in the hamster wheel and you're just running. Anyway, so uh, we grew the agency over 13 years and then I sold it in 2015. Um, and it was a great run. I mean, built it to, I think we had 18, 20 employees or something when you were right. working there and uh, sold it. And then I worked for the agency that I sold to for a couple of years and then decided that I would just follow my my passion or my dream of creating content, writing more books and wanted to create a YouTube channel, which I launched about two months ago, um, and then do a lot of public speaking and things. So going back to your, your question about the Russian connection. So well, my, maybe, maybe yeah, let me have go ahead. back up. Yeah. Did you see the reason that you wanted to create your own content? Was that because you saw like a problem in the industry or is it just you just had this passion just to put it out there regardless? No, I mean, the problem I saw, so going back to 2007, this is where kind of this whole idea came from. In 2007, I was asked to speak at a AIGA design conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Good buddy of mine lives in Nashville, and he threw my, my name in the in the circle when they were looking for a speaker for an event. They had this big conference, you know, it was hundreds maybe a thousand people that came to this conference for the benefit of those that don't know what AIGA is American Institute of Graphic Artists and uh it's probably it's the biggest graphic artist uh network probably worldwide at least in the United States has a lot of chapters most mid-size and up cities have an AIGA chapter so uh I was asked to speak at this conference and it was a design conference and I decided that I would speak on the non-design things that designers need to know to succeed in their career. So I went in and I spoke about teamwork and attention to detail and collaboration with uh, your client and client red flags, like how do you know that this is going to be a bad client? Um, little, Little... uh, nuggets of my, my thing was called nuggets from the trenches. And it was like the nuggets of wisdom that I had learned in the five, then five years of growing my agency. So I shared all my little things and they were, they were Mike Janda quirky titled things like polishing turds. And this is not verbatimville. And, um, you know, every position can be electrifying they, these kinds of little quirky titled things so I had maybe a dozen of them that I shared in this lecture, not knowing if this was even going to be any good or not. And so after my lecture, I sat back down next to my buddy who was there and he leaned over and he was like, oh, that was awesome. Can you send me your presentation? Because I want to take your those nuggets and turn them into posters for my office. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll send you my presentation. But then I thought I'm going to give away my intellectual property and you're going to turn it into posters. And I don't even have posters of these things. So if it's good enough (laughs) for this dude to turn it into posters and I haven't even made any, I don't have any of it copyrighted. I have nothing. I, uh, I had that spark like, okay, there's some, something in this content. Yeah. Something in this content that's unique and, and, uh, interesting. And then after the the other presenters presented, one of the guys who uh, came was from House Industries, who was uh, a font creation company. 
and he gave a great lecture and and uh, afterwards he was I was next to him and he had a book that's really nicely designed book about all of the typography that they've designed and people were coming up and having him sign the book and buying book from him and stuff and then this one person came to me and gave me like a piece of paper and said, hey, will you sign this? And I like signed his post-it note or something. And I felt like a total tool, man. I was like, okay, I don't have a, I don't have a book. This guy's got a book. I just gave a lecture and somebody liked it enough to have me sign their scrap paper. I should probably turn this into a book. So I decided right then and there that I would turn it into a book. And I started writing the book on the plane on the way back. So I kind of caught the vision of, I've got something unique. And the essence of the book and, and the content is that it's stuff that they don't teach you in design school, but should. That's the subtitle of the book. It's called Burn Your Portfolio, Stuff They Don't Teach You in Design School, But Should. And it was all the stuff that I had seen that I wish my employees would have known when I hired them. So they would come out of design school and they would be, they'd be able to do design work they knew typography, they knew color theory, they knew some composition skills, but they couldn't manage a project, that they couldn't interact with a client, they weren't good at giving a presentation, they weren't fast in production, they didn't have some speed production skills. They, they were missing a lot of these kinds of fundamental. elements, fundamental yes. things <clears throat> that you need. So design schools focus so much on the high the, level. The design. It's like all about let's design and create this great portfolio, this portfolio. But the truth is, and I and I have this from the uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People in the introduction to that, there's they did a study and they found that 85% of your success comes from your ability to uh, lead people to leadership and um your people skills essentially and 15% of your success comes from your technical knowledge yeah so i love this and i and i totally subscribe to this this topic or this methodology of it's 85% is all soft skills is what everybody calls them today soft yeah. skills it's your it's leadership it's communication it's production processes, systems, it's teamwork and collaboration. It's all these kinds of things. Well, if 85% of your success comes from that, then why do design schools spend 85% of their time on the technical skills and 15% of their time on soft skills? So anyway, so kind of spawned the idea of writing the book. And I spent the next five years working on it uh, just, I was running my agency and it was burdensome to run my agency. We were growing like crazy. You know, a lot of years we were doubling our billings from one year to the next. And so just the manhandling of my business was such a challenge that I was writing this book in my off, off minutes on airplanes early in the morning, just, you know, whenever I found these little pieces of time and, uh, and so I sent it out at the end of 2012. I sent it to three publishers thinking my worst case scenario is that I'll turn it into a blog. 
if I can't get it published, I've never published a book before, but I'll turn it into a blog and then I'll just sell advertising on a blog and I'll just post all these things. It's a hundred something chapters of, of content and I could, that'd be a hundred something blog posts. So that could be a good blog. Yeah. Anyway, I sent it out and then a couple weeks later got my first book offer. I had two, two of the three publishers interested in publishing it. And I was, that was an exciting day. I remember it probably forever. I was driving away from my house and I opened my email while I was in my car, like any good American does. And, uh, while you're driving, reading my reading email. It. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so I had the first offer that they were interested and I ended up choosing the first publisher, which was Pearson, uh, and, the, and they published it under their peach pit line of books, which does a lot of Photoshop books and things, you know, design oriented yeah. books. So you have, you had now become somebody. Yeah, no, you I, arrived. You think that you, you think that you're gonna feel like that, but I felt like the same. You know, you get these moments. If you're ambitious, you get these moments when you feel like you've made it, and then all of a sudden you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I still got so long to go. That's how I feel now. I mean, I feel like I look back at the history of my career and I'm like, okay, I've got, I've accomplished a lot of things, but it's like nothing compared to what I really want to accomplish. And, and it's, I think it's the, the mindset that you, every mountain you climb, if you're ambitious, just gives you a new vantage point to see the bigger mountain behind it. And that's the way I've felt my whole career. I went early in my agency, I remember having five employees and I thought someday I'll have 12 employees and I'll feel like I've made it when I have my 12 employees. Well, one year later, I had 12 employees and I still felt exactly the same as I did when I had five employees. I felt like, oh, this doesn't feel any better. Yeah. I still have so much farther yeah. to go. Now, now what? Yeah, now what? <clears throat> so true. Yeah, so I so I've spent a lot of my career doing that and this, you know, just this lack of satisfaction no matter what I accomplish, I just don't feel you know, yeah, some could look at that like, just be grateful for what you have, Michael. But there is something. Every, I mean, I haven't achieved a ton of goals in my life, but the ones I have, like once I get there, you're right. It's like, great. Now what? Yeah. That's how you feel. You may not be able to articulate that, but you're like, okay, well, I got to do something next. Can't yeah. Just float on my laurels. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel, and that's how I feel now. I mean, so my my next book just came out. Burn Your Portfolios in four languages, so it's in two forms of Chinese and in Russian, and we'll go back to the Russian thing in a second and how that all played out. Um, and then this new book that came out, and, you know, it's like no matter how well it does, I still feel like it could do better. Uh, it's, it's an exhausting way to live, to never be fully satisfied. You get these moments when you're like, oh, pat myself on the back. I'm doing good. And then you get these longer moments of what's next. What's next? What's next? Yeah. And so I'm always pushing for what's next. Um, does that just, does that just come to you in like vision or, or is it just little bits of ideas that come that kind of build your next thing? Yeah. It's a lot of it comes from competition. Like I'm so competitive that I, wherever I am in my career, I, I always can see the people that have gotten a little bit further than I, than me. And that drives me to, to say, okay, 
I'm not there yet. I I need to step it up. Yeah. So I, I'm very competitive. I grew up with four brothers and, you know, this a five five brother household, no sisters creates an interesting dynamic. You're like yeah. eat, eat or starve. Yeah, it's okay. It's like every day is a fight for survival in an environment. So it's just like in that. your it's just in your DNA. It's in my psyche. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just built in. Yeah. So it, it drives me and pushes me. Uh and and it's exhausting. My wife knows to just get out of the way. It's kind of what she says. Like if I I'm a dog with a bone and if I am chewing my bone, don't don't don't, don't, don't try and take my bone away because it's not gonna be good. Get bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it is. So it's, and sometimes I get really tired and of that, of that mentality, because it's hard to relax yeah. for me, but I don't know. I'm, well, I'm yeah. in my mid upper forties and, and driven and passionate. So now's the best time in well, life a, to go for it. It's a good problem. Be, it doesn't matter what level you are yeah. either. Cause I just hit level 50 and yeah, I, uh, exactly. I got 50 years left to do something bigger than I've done up to this point yeah. so and you're so, more capable now than ever yes. before to do it so and the technology holy cow just the fact that we're able to do this with you know a, an investment of a hundred bucks to do this little podcast yeah. is mind-blowing yeah or it's really cool 20 yeah. years ago it would, it would have taken thousands and thousands of dollars in studio time and editing and and then your your distribution isn't even internet you've got to yeah. have it on a tv show or some something guy, to do it. Yeah. some guy that decided if you were going to you know, make the worth cut it. or not worth uh-huh. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's mind blowing. Just the opportunities that we have. It's, yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. All right. So talk to me about the, um, the, the Russia. Why? Yeah. So Russia. So I've been to Russia now, uh, three times in the last 10 months. And, um, my book came out in Russia. It was the first language that it was published in your burn first, your, burn your your first portfolio. Okay. Yeah. So it was published in 2013 and it came out in Russian language, I think in 2014. So it was about a year uh my publisher owns the rights to that book and so they can just sell the rights to whoever's interested in any other language so they sold the burn your portfolio rights to a russian publisher um, named peter books and um and anyway they my publisher told me okay your book's going to come out in russian and i was like oh this is legit i didn't even know this was a possibility when i published it i thought it was just cool to have a print book you know yeah it was fun to go to barnes and noble and see it on oh, the shelves yeah that's the, it's the greatest oh, yeah it is yeah so when it came out in russian i didn't have a copy of it because the russian publisher was distributing it so i had no copies of it and then i finally saw somebody post it on the internet or post it on instagram or something in russian language and i got an email from somebody who's become a good friend of mine his name's val and he lives in Moscow and he uh, messaged me and said I love your book thanks for writing it that kind of thing and I wrote him back and I was like oh thanks so much Uh, and we started to have a little bit of a dialogue and then I told him that I didn't have a copy of the book in Russian language and I asked him if he could send me a copy and he said yeah Uh, and I said you know just tell me what it'll cost and I'll, I'll pay you and he said, how about you just send me a signed copy of it in English and I'll send you a copy of it in Russian. And I was like, okay, perfect. So we started a little bit of a dialogue through email. And then about a year later, um, 
he was working at an agency and that agency named AIS does a big design conference every year and they sponsor it and invite everybody and they have a great audience that comes. And so he told them that they should have me come out and speak to it. So Val told them to have me come speak and so they invited me to speak and I of course accepted and that was my first visit last May. Anyway, um, that lecture went great and it was a great event. They did an awesome event. I mean, they had a ton of people and just engaged audience, very passionate design community there about self-education and is really driven. Anyway, so I had a huge response there and uh, found out going around Moscow that my book was in every bookstore I walked in as I was walking the streets. So even the small little bookstore, I mean, one that was like the size of smaller than a 7-Eleven and my book was in it. And so I was excited to see that distribution. And then after my lecture, I had a ton of people come and talk to me and have me sign their book and things and found out that my book has a really kind of passionate audience in in Russia. Well, it's graphic design is not this mainstream industry. I mean, it is, but it, it's like to have that in every bookstore, like People Magazine. Yeah, that's, it's, it's that's almost like that. Yeah, it's anywhere that's selling books. In fact, I... I don't think I've gone into a bookstore that didn't have my book in. Even like the the bookstore in the mall had it. And you know, my book my book isn't in any of the mall bookstores. Of course in the United States we hardly have any bookstores yeah. left anymore. It's Barnes and Nobles or nothing. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that was that was exciting. So I, I while I was there I built a great relationship with some of the the people from that IES agency and one of the owners of IES is also one of the partners at a new company called Skillbox. Not new, new, but a couple years old. Um, and Skillbox does online education. It's an online education platform, kind of like a Udemy, but it's their own content that they're distributing. So they're, they're developing a lot of courses and free content and things for UX design and web design and so graphic around design. Around the graphic design industry. Yeah, it's all graphic okay. design related. And... Uh, and after I left, they messaged me and said, hey, let's collaborate on something. And so I said, okay, yeah. How about I? How about we take one of your courses and turn it into an English course and I'll be the presenter of the course? Because they have a lot, I mean, they, their UX design course sells 5,000 uh, per year of their $500 course. And that's just one of the 46 courses that they have. So they have a big audience there. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll come and present one of their courses. So they sent me the course and I ended up retooling the entire course. I, am, I had to make it mine. So I, right. I kept a, a few pieces of their stuff, but I really worked hard to create a course, a UX design course that, uh, that had my name on it. And so I went there in December and spent three weeks in Moscow in December, which was you know, the stereotypical American perspective of Russia. Ice cold. Ice cold, slushy snow everywhere and black jackets and scarves and hats and just the whole Moscow thing. Here's a side note on, on, on yeah. Russia. Sometimes I get down the YouTube rabbit hole yeah. and I end up watching car crash videos. Oh, compilations. Yeah. Yeah. They are always from Russia. Really? Always. Huh. I don't know what the deal with. Does everyone have a, a, a dash cam? That's interesting. I saw one, I've seen one accident, 
not even happen. I've spent, let's see, I've spent six weeks in Russia in the past year, and I've seen one accident where the police were there and, you know, the people are out of the car trading insurance information or whatever. That's it. I've never seen another accident oh, in Moscow. Well, Even in December, three weeks in December, and I didn't see an accident. So I don't know, maybe the reputation is... Maybe. Because it's always Russia. It, maybe it's these people flying down the freeway, uh, going from Moscow to St. Petersburg, and, you know, it's several hours of, of uh, driving, and they're going too fast, yeah. and maybe it's Nine that. times out of ten, it's a Russian... That's interesting. Car crash compilation. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> well, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Ask, ask them... Maybe that's like, you know, the, the Texas thing. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. We'll ask them about the car crash. Thing. I will. I will. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. So, um, so the Russian thing. So I went there in December and spent three weeks filming this course, which just came out um, a couple weeks ago. And then while I was there, just before I went, another organization in Russia asked me to go and speak at a conference that they had, which was now about a month ago. Uh, which was my third visit to to Russia. So, are you so u- unique in your perspective on what you do that they, there's no one in Russia that can do this? Or, I mean, what's the draw? Is it just because it's more sexy to bring imported from America? Kind um, of a guy into town? What's the... I would say, I, I think that there's some there's some interest there that their perspective of who is leading the design industry in the world and and people still follow... American design trends and it's companies like Apple and Google and things that have really established some of these design trends that everybody's following material design and minimalistic design and things that are that are trends that have been started by those companies. Nike has always been a brand design influencer, you know, a lot of people following the trends of those kinds of companies. So you still see that. Uh, And then, you know, my agency, we did work for a lot of these types of clients. We did work for Nike. We did work for Disney. We did work for Google. You know, we had some of those kinds of clients. So I think that there's some appeal there because I have, I'm one step removed from these major brands that have influenced design worldwide. You're the guy that has the ear. Yeah, something like that. So I think that there's something to that. I think that there's something to the popularity of my book that it's published, um, you know, print book and not every book gets translated into Russian. You know, a lot of mainstream books do, but um, not every book does. And then I think that there's something in the Mike Janda humor that for some weird reason Russians get. And I didn't know if they were going to get it or care or think it was funny. And in fact, the first time, I can't stop myself from joking around when I give a lecture. And, you know, the first time I'm making my Mike Janda jokes that I have thick in my DNA and and they were laughing right. they liked them I'll so was, give me an example of a mic well I don't know you, like you know it's like the polishing turds okay. metaphor that okay. kind of a thing okay. just kind of quirky uh, a quirky perspective like one of my one of my chapters is called OCD is an attribute and so you know obsessive compulsive disorder is an attribute and no I'm not trying to offend anybody who has real obsessive compulsive disorder but it's the little quirky slant on on obsessing over details yeah obsessing over details and how do you phrase it in a way that's memorable and and catchy and i think that that's resonated with the audience and my book's done well in the united states too uh but 
I don't know, there's a kind of a, there's a, a cult following of it in, in Russia. Um, so I think that there's something, and maybe it's because most of my ancestors are from, you know, Bohemian oh, Europe. You're, you're speaking to your people. Yeah, oh, it could be. And I honestly, I yeah. feel like part of my soul is from Russia. I've made some amazingly close friends. I have a bunch of people over there that I feel like I've known for my entire life. And I've really only spent 20, 30 hours with them. And, but I feel like, you know, we've been friends forever. So did you resolve the whole Russian collusion thing with Trump in your visit? Yeah, man. You know what's been interesting with Russia? um, A few things that were really surprising to me. They'll talk about Putin and with no reservation. And I thought, okay, I was thinking I was going to go into this very reserved, you can't talk about the government, certain things. Yeah, but no, man. You go there, you can buy a t-shirt with a, a shirtless Putin riding a bear holding a an M16, you can, or an AK-47 probably because it's Russia. Uh, yeah. you, you can buy the t-shirt at any of the souvenir stores, man. And you can buy Trump-Putin t-shirts and things. I mean, it's it's comical. They make they make fun and have fun uh, out well, of like all that. here. So but that's yeah. something that we don't hear it's about. Insane. Hear no, about... but you don't think you're... Being American, you don't think you're going to see that in Russia, but it's exactly the same. No, you think it's going to be like communist china where yeah, yeah. you got handlers and if you say something you disappear exactly that's you hear that's what i thought oh, and it's not like that at all i'll yeah. sit in restaurants having dinner with people and they're talking about putin and kgb and whatever like and we do russian right? mafia the same as we do talking about Our trump and obama CIA and whoever FBI else scandals yeah, and yeah exactly it's all crap. exactly okay. the same so it's all exactly the same yeah, it was really interesting to me. That that piece was really interesting. Is that your uh, your latest souvenir uh, there? That it's one of them. Yeah. Uh, now I was going to show you my matryoshka, the the uh, my nesting dolls all of the all nesting. of the okay of all the. All right. So he's bringing out this little. It's nesting, the Russian nesting Russian dolls. You know, this is Lenin, and oh, uh, all the leaders inside yeah, of the leaders. All the, yeah, all the, all, the, going back in history. All the Boris Yeltsin, uh, going back to. I think that's Putin, or maybe Putin's the next one down. Yeah, I don't know okay. what that dude is. I'll get a picture of this anyway, and put it on the... Uh... Yeah, yeah, okay. That's right. So I mean by these things all over the place, all over the place. So not, nothing, sm- smacking the government is not is not sacred like... No, somewhere, no, maybe... and I've never... Okay, so that's, that's interesting point number one. Interesting point number two about Russia, um, I've never felt nervous. I, the very first time I landed, I was like, okay, what am I getting into here? And my friend Val picked me up at the airport. We had never met face to face, but we had corresponded in email a bunch of times. And, um, you know, he picked me up and it was like I was seeing an old friend Okay. and just friendly and nice. And we get in an Uber and we go downtown to the where I was going to be staying. And anyway, so I've never felt nervous there. I get in an Uber at 11:30 at night by myself in the middle of Moscow to go back to my hotel and no no fear or concern that somebody's going to drive me down a dark alley and like put a cap in the back of my skull and no, and no language myself. language I always were concerned about like No, a lot of barriers. people a lot of people speak enough English to get around. Uh you'll find occasionally some old timers that don't know any English at all. Uh, but most of the people, 40, 50, probably 50 years and younger, have enough English that, that they're pretty functional. 
Okay. Some of them are more confident in speaking it than others, but by requirement, they're all taking it in school. I mean, English is the international business language, yeah. and Russia is very driven to expand their business presence worldwide, and so there's a lot of push to, to be able to, to speak English. So that was interesting thing number two. Uh, interesting thing number three is that I expected the stereotypical Russian cold, not talkative, uh, you know, not friendly, happy kind of people. But I found the people there to be open, generous, friendly, talkative. Uh, I love my Russian friends over there, like deep in my soul and just can't wait to go and spend more time with them. I, so they, they're just great friends, great connection, personal connection with people. It's, it's awesome. So this awesome goodness doesn't matter where you are. No, it's thick there, man. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, anyway, Okay, so that was interesting thing number three. Interesting thing number four is that there, I have never, ever felt any animosity, U.S. to Russia animosity, left over from Cold War era or anything like that. I think nothing. that's always been at the government level. Yeah, but I don't even think it's at the government level. I think it's oh. at the, uh, the liberal media propaganda level. Yes. That's what Which I think it, it all, is. And it will always be there. Yeah. Because it sells. Yeah, and it's, it's just absolutely not true. And they have it there too. Like I made some comment once that about Trump, and I was like, "Well, as you know, as long as Trump's president, I don't think we're going to get in any wars." And they were like, "What? You know?" Because I, I feel like Trump is all about wanting to expand U.S. presence and fix trade deals, and you know, resolve. He resolved North Korea. It's not fully resolved now, but progress. All of us. I mean, progress compared to the last fifty years of history. Of nothing. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's meetings and they're they're in talk of disarming the nuclear program. So, you know, we didn't have to nuke them to make that happen. So, I said some made some comment like that about you know I didn't think we were going to be in in any wars while Trump is president. And they, they were like, really? We feel like he's got all his bombs pointed toward us and is ready to push the button. Media. I was like, oh, Media it's so it's, it's, not true. It's a it's disease. So it's an true. international disease yeah. of, of bias and, and deceit. Yeah. Oh, it's mind-blowing. Mind yeah, so I was surprised <laughs> about that. Um, let's see, another interesting point about Russia. Um Man, in the main areas of Moscow and St. Petersburg, I've been to both, you've got every store that you think. H&M, Timberland shoes, New Balance shoes. I mean, it's all it's very westernized in some of the, right. the things that are available there. I was surprised about that, too. Um, yeah. Uh, another interesting thing, so clean. Moscow is, like, immaculately clean. You compare it to... New York City, which is obviously New York, maybe not be the best, the best example because it's a dirtier city, but it's immaculate. I mean, that Moscow Center, man, you you can barely find a cigarette butt on the ground. It's so clean, no trash all over or anything like that. So. Is, I assume tourism is a massive industry then. Tourism's big. You, you get to Red Square and it's full of tourists. A lot of people from Asia, a lot of Chinese people there because it's so easy for them to get yeah. over. 
Uh, so you see a lot of that tour buses of people. Um, I was surprised at that. I mean, you're standing outside the Kremlin, you're taking pictures of whatever you want. I've shot videos in the heart of Red Square. Never felt like somebody's going somebody's to come camera. and take my camera. You know, I never never felt like that. Yeah. Uh, very very comfortable being there and, and going That's anywhere in the city. That's good. That's good. Yeah. If you, unless you're doing specific research on it and doing what you do, then people just don't know. No, they don't know. They they think it's like the movies. Yeah. I made a comment once, you know, I said, well, what's the deal with the Russian mafia? You know, the Russian mafia in all the movies, that's the, that's what we see. It's the Russian mafia. It's some, they've got some debt. Some guy has some debt with the Russian mob and they're coming to, you know, cut him at the kneecaps. That's what, that's the, that's the thing. And I said, where's, where's this Russian mob? Is this really a thing here? And they, and the person I was talking to said, yeah. It's a real thing. It's the government. That's what they said. And I was like, okay, well, good. At least they're aware of it. He's open about it, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know, so you get into some political com- uh, topics in, in your show and some of the, one of the things you're passionate about. And so one of the things I thought was interesting is that I said, what's the deal with Putin? And, you know, he's been in office forever now. And he's changed the law a few times so that he can be reinstated. Because they used to have the the four-year, eight-year thing, kind of like America, when he in his first term. And then they made him the prime minister and had the president of Russia was one of his crony guys or something. And then they changed the law then to make it so that Putin could be reelected as the president of Russia and now he's in again, and nobody has a problem with this. They view it as, I mean, maybe some people, so if somebody's listening to this, they may say, yeah, I have a problem with that. But no, most people uh, are fine with it because they look at the alternative options and they're not as good. Putin, Russia under Putin has dramatically changed for the better as a country. Dramatic change. I mean, it's it, communism, you don't feel it there. You feel it's very, um, I don't want to say American, but westernized. It's very entrepreneurial. Um, people are driven and ambitious. The younger generation driven and ambitious. Um, so it's, the, the country is a better country because of Putin in leadership than it was before him. But the, the trouble is that all we have is, media's perspective of it that's biased and probably wrong yeah so we yeah yeah and I, i'm not saying that there's not problems of course, of course there are yeah. but any any country is going to have problems and um but man i don't know uh, they're they're more technologically advanced than we are they have some really interesting there's a company there called yandex which is the google of russia and they're way ahead of changing technology inside of their their country than than the United States. Uh, you can you can have there's an app that will show you navigation from one location to another, but it's tied to everything. So you say, okay, I want to go to this part of the city, and it gives it plots a path for you and says, okay, take this metro to this station, then get on this bus from here and get off at this spot, and then walk to here and it'll take you X amount of time. So it's all interconnected. Whereas here you don't have that. And you know how when you get an Uber here, 
Well, in Moscow, you can see the same, you, you pull up, a, so going back a little bit, Uber, you can see where the Uber car is in relation to you. So you sit there and you watch your phone and you're like, okay, my Uber is one minute away and I see the car and it's coming to my spot where I am. I'm just going to stand right here and it's eventually going to pick me up. Well, they have that for the bus system there. You can pull up and you can say, okay, my bus is coming. I'm going to wait for my bus or my train is here. It's almost here. So you can see it all in that interconnected kind of a digital so taking, way. Taking some of the guesswork out of it. Yeah, it's, it's just, so we're not there yet. They have car sharing is a big deal. You pay a monthly fee and there are cars all over the city that are parked and it shows you where they are and you just go get in it. You unlock it with your app and you get in and you push the button and drive and you just park it in a public spot when you're done and you lock the car and then it ends your ride, your car share and charges you your money DIY cab service isn't it yeah it is it's yeah you get in and drive yeah so it's really cool we don't have that going on we do with where we're doing with the bikes and the scooters yeah yeah but they do it with 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 actual cars Cars. yeah so really interesting stuff is changing our our unions and cab thing they would probably like uh, not like that at all yeah I'm guessing is maybe yeah it's gonna happen though I mean it's it's gonna happen so they're advanced there. Their banking industry is way more advanced. Banking apps and, and online banking and things way more advanced than where we are. We have these behemoth banks in the United States. Wells Fargo, Bank of America, you know, U.S. Bank. They, these are huge banks and they are hard to, hard to change this giant behemoth. And the banking industry is so new and innovative there that there are a lot of banks that are just app only banks you don't you know e-trade is kind of that you don't have you can have an e-trade account well they have banks like that where there's no brick and mortar version of it you're just on the app and that's it so there's some innovative things that they're doing that, that, that is very cool. really interesting yeah wow. i love it and you can tell probably by no the i way can't I speak I about can't, it no. it's a can you share how passionate yeah. you are, please? No, yeah, yeah. You didn't get it. I gotta dig that out of you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's so great. I I'm, I'll be back a couple a couple more times this year. I have a thing scheduled for uh, in September to do a workshop out there and um, some other lectures and things brewing. I'm probably gonna do a follow up course for my UX course with Skillbox to do another kind of level two UX course. So. Well, that was kind of my next question is like, what's next for Michael Janda? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to build my audience on my YouTube channel. I have two other books that I'm writing right now that are both started, um, that I'm excited about both of those. I'm trying to build more speaking engagements and things and just, uh, having fun creating content and not caring right now, whether it makes money or not. I've been fortunate in my life to have done well enough that I can take some time to kind of fund, fund my own Self next adventure. Things. Yeah. Fund my own next adventure and not worry about cash flow for now. And that is a, that is a seriously good problem to have. It, it's good. Yeah. Every once in a while I get a little, you know, unnerved thinking, Oh, I really need to start making money. But then I think, Oh, I'm actually just fine. So I'm not going to worry about it for now. <laughs> yeah. I'm young enough. I could have a whole nother career start. Uh, in the future, so yeah, yeah. If you can start. You can start anything new at any age. Doesn't yeah. matter what you know. Yeah. So, so so how can people find you? 
find your stuff. Uh, you just do a search for Michael Janda on Google, and you'll you'll see a bunch of links. At More Janda is my my social media handle on almost all social media platforms. So Instagram, okay. Facebook, LinkedIn, it's all at More Janda, um, and then MichaelJanda.com. You okay. can take a look at that too. Yeah. One last question. Yeah. For someone who might be wanting to do their own thing or they're freaked out about it or they don't have the luxury of having being able to self-fund things what what, yeah. do you, what, what would you say to them my uh, I've been asked this before and it, actually my response to this comes out of of a lunch that I had once with a young young guy he had wanted to take me to lunch he read my book and he was all excited about starting his own business and he was all entrepreneurial and he was 22 years old, you know, one of these driven yes. entrepreneurial people. He had just had a baby, had just gotten married. He was so he was and he had nothing in savings or anything like that. And he was talking to me about quitting his job and to go and start building this business. And my advice to him and my advice to anybody relating to to that mindset is only risk what you have to risk. And he didn't have money to risk. So it would be a bad decision for him to quit his job at the risk of his new bride and new baby to go and chase his entrepreneurial dream. He did not have money to risk. What he did have was time. And he could risk his time. So keep your job and keep your income, but risk your time. And that risk comes at maybe you're going to sacrifice your sleep. And when your family goes to bed, you're going to stay up for two more hours every night working on your business. Or you're going to get up two hours earlier and you're going to sleep for six hours or seven hours every night instead of eight or nine hours every night because you're going to risk your, your time against your business so only risk what you have to risk if you have time risk your time if you have money risk your money um, but don't put yourself in jeopardy uh, to try and chase whatever dream you have and maybe be, yeah patience practice a little patience i think because we uh, i'm impatient as hell right now. oh me I, too I, I man want, i i want i want to be able to figure out how to master this something on the internet to make money while i sleep yeah, I'm doing real estate now. That's a serious time-consuming venture. Yeah, um, it's where I'm at right now. It's working, but uh, will it be the end-all, be-all? I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, patience. And when you're at level fifty, like me, yeah, you're like I don't have seventy-five years left. I only have you know. You start thinking like that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm there, man. It's middle age. You start <laughs> thinking I'm halfway. Halfway. I'm, at, I'm halfway. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, so. I don't want to think about that too much. Cause just, I just turned know. forty-seven, so I, it's uh, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, you start, you stop caring <laughs> yeah. about your birthday. That's for dang sure. You're like, what? Yeah. Oh, I missed mine this year. So yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway. Awesome, yeah. sir. Well, thank you hey. so much. It's been awesome to to have you here, and I yeah, I, much much value. Good. You know, from talking with you about this, so yeah, awesome. Pre- thank you. It was super I appreciate fun. you. Yeah. Being on with me today. So. All right. Thank okay. you.
Thank you again for listening to the Parish to Thought show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. 